Welcome to Swift Coaches Academy, a podcast dedicated to bringing health and wellness professionals the uncensored truth behind what it really takes to succeed in the health industry with me, your host, Zania Wood. As an accredited exercise physiologist and business owner for almost a decade, I'm on a mission to transform the lives of ambitious health professionals like you who want more and are ready to take action to create incredible impact in your careers and unlock financial freedom in your business. So join me as I speak candidly with industry leaders about the struggles and successes from within the trenches through thought-provoking conversations. Trans women competing in sport is totally unfair. Now, I'd like to caveat this episode with a few things. I am an exercise physiologist. I have been for a decade now. I'm also an exercise educator and have a degree in exercise and sports sciences with a heavy emphasis on anatomy and biomechanics, which are part of some of the courses and curriculum that I run for students all around the world. I also want to talk about the fact that trans women do not have it easy socially. I can only imagine how hard it must be for someone who wishes to compete or, you know, perform in sport and is a trans woman and feeling like they maybe don't fit in. Um, And so today's conversation is not so much talking about the social impact or influence that trans women have in sport, because I can see that there is such an uphill battle when it comes to that. And I really do genuinely feel for them and hope that we can find happy medium ground where people are happy with this. However, when it comes to elite sport and professional sport, trans women competing against cis women, which is women who were born as women and still identify as women, is totally unfair. I have had so many conversations with people both inside and outside the industry who agree with me um, from you know, males, females, even people who are trans as well. And it's because there's just biologically, anatomically advantages. And so today what I want to talk about is actually the science behind why trans women competing against cis women is not fair and should not be taking place. I feel like um, there is a very, very small voice for people who have this opinion and are willing to talk about it. And so I want to share that with you guys today because I feel like sometimes the social aspects of, you know, them competing against cis women is really challenging. And so people are trying to make compensations so that trans women can compete um, against cis women. And it really just disadvantages cis women. And that's a huge category um, of people that are now being unfairly dismissed uh, in elite level sporting competitions. Um, And it's just really putting a strain and... um, I just see so many cis women who are competing who are so deflated by this and that really fucking kills me. And so I want to talk about biomechanically and anatomically why this isn't fair. Now, I do want to caveat as well that hormones and the the chemistry or the biochemistry is not my area of expertise. However, I have done some research into this area and that, you know, I guess today is not a whole lot on you know, the, the therapy side of things in terms of hormone replacement therapy, um, I, because, you know, we can talk about how long they've been on it. And, and there's so much in terms of the nuance behind the hormone replacement. Um, however, if you've transitioned post-puberty, you've had all that time to, you know, go through 
the puberty where you have testosterone and you are building muscle and you're also building, you know, skill and development, particularly um, a lot of people who do end up competing as trans women in elite sport who did compete as men when they were in their youth is then giving them a competitive advantage. Now let's talk to the biomechanics side of this. So there are a couple of huge differences that it doesn't matter how much hormone replacement therapy or surgery that uh, a trans woman does. They will never be able to have the same anatomical structure that a cis woman has. And this is why. So a couple of huge things. Firstly, it comes to the pelvis. We know that women born as women have different structured pelvises. And so what this means is they obviously are designed for birthing children and therefore they have a wider space basically in between their their two pelvic pelvic bones is for babies to be pushed out of. And that is actually going to create a more butterfly-shaped pelvis. So it means that it's sort of splaying outwards and that creates a little bit more instability in the pelvis. So compared to a male or a cis male, male born as a male, um, and trans women who still anatomically have male pelvic structures, they are going to be much more up and down, much more narrow. They are built for greater stability. They don't have that wide butterfly pelvis. And therefore, when they're performing activities that require balance and require stability, uh, and, re- and which is a whole lot of, of sports that we have, right? Like any sort of field sport, any sort of running sport, literally anything that you're basically standing or moving, even things like gymnastics, there's a whole lot of things where pelvic stability is going to be huge. We actually know that when we talk about running, for females, roughly 70% of their force distribution when they are running forwards actually is dispersed laterally. So what that means is for every, um, let's say, 100% of force that they are producing, only 70% of that actually helps propel them forwards. 30% of that is dispersed laterally versus with men, it's about 90% that they get of the 100% that they put in that ends up being dispersed in the forwards direction where they're trying to go. So that in itself tells us that there's going to be some anatomical differences that are going to be influenced and therefore change results or, you know, put people in different spectrums of um, competitiveness in terms of their anatomy of their pelvis. Now, um, I've never heard of someone who has become a trans woman and then also gone and said, yes, I want a female pelvis. It doesn't happen. It would be a ridiculous surgery. I don't know if that's ever going to be the case. However, anatomically, that pelvic position, not only that butterfly shape that we see in women born as women, but we're also going to see a much more unstable structure around the entire pelvis. Okay. So there's that part of it. The pelvic structure is going to be different and you cannot and will not change that. And that is a competitive advantage if you have a male structured pelvis. Then we also come to our elbow, which is called, we have a a carrying angle, which is basically the angle that the elbow produces looking straight down from the humerus or the um, upper arm down into the lower arm or the forearm bone. And so what happens is our elbows are all, if you put them straight out in front of you, they always jut out or laterally a little bit. 
And this is because when we walk, we don't actually uh, want our elbows to be hitting us in the hip every single time we can take a step. Now, this is a flow on effect. So when we think about, um, yes, uh, women born as women have wider structured pelvises and therefore Typically, those with those wider structured pelvises are also going to have a greater carrying angle. Now, what this means is, again, it's not a straightforward force because there's a there's like a jut out or a kick out of the elbow facing away from the midline, and that means that the force is going to go at an angle. Now, this is also going to influence influence us in sport, right? If you're doing any sort of movement that requires your upper body, whether it be throwing, whether it be um, pushing, whether it be, you know, things like Olympic lifting, things like swimming, things like um, even running to a degree is going to have an influence of the elbow angle based on how much force we can produce versus where we're at. So let's say that someone's hormones were exactly the same. Uh, a trans woman and a cis woman had exactly the same hormone profile um, and were therefore deemed able to compete in sports. Just looking at these two things alone in terms of the pelvic structure that is 100% set at birth and will not change and the elbow carrying angle, again, set at birth, will not change. Those things are huge competitive advantages. And you might say, you know, trans women are a very small subset of the population. However, when it gets to the really elite level, we're looking at a subset of the population. It's the 1% of the 1% of the 1% who actually make it to those levels. And so if you already are a minority and you have competitive advantages, of course, you're going to be more primed for those. And no, not every trans woman is going to go in and crush it and beat cis women in sport because there are going to be some women who've, you know, done the sport for longer, but it's their skill. It's their time and effort that they've worked on it. And yes, some women are going to have better structures for certain sports as well. Um, And cis women, I should say. And yes, there are going to be some women who are just naturally better than others. And so that can be, um, I guess, a debate that a lot of people who are for cis women in sport may say. However, when we're looking at those one percenters, we've already narrowed out and weeded out people who aren't exceptional at that sport. Um, Now, you get to, you know, things such as um, we've seen trans women transitioned and then competed at elite levels. I have a couple of examples. One of them is, hey, real quick, I wanted to interrupt this episode to let you know about some incredible masterclasses we have coming up based on anatomy. If you are loving what you're hearing so far, you are going to be blown away by what is inside these masterclasses. We have two coming up. The first is on the 15th of June, which is the anatomy of the shoulder. And then the second is the 5th of July, the anatomy of the hip. And these are honestly game changers. We have so much content in here. This is free for anyone who wants to attend. You do have to register and that is it. I will be personally hosting these and I cannot wait to see you there. I have a couple of examples. One of them is Leah Thomas. Now, Leah Thomas is an American trans woman who has competed in swimming as a male and then uh, transitioned and then competed as a trans woman against cis women and won and broke records the very first time she competed. Now, why this is important is because 
Leah Thomas was doing well as a competitive swimmer, as a male, I, I'm unsure of her name prior to transitioning. So um, before Thomas transitioned, was doing well as a competitive male athlete in swimming. And yes, there's uh, a rule in the NCAA, which is the um, the National American Association, uh, that basically says that you need to undergo 12 months of hormone therapy before you can be eligible for a women's category. Yes, she met that criteria, but she it has a larger structure and you can look at this and go, okay, yeah, but there are some women who are really tall as well. But if we look on a spectrum and we put all the human race on a spectrum, the tallest human will be male and the largest human will be male in our society and the shortest person will be female or born as female as well. Um, and so, yes, it's a spectrum, but if we were to plot the average, we know that on average men are larger, men have bigger bone structures this comes down to things like hand size foot size and you look at the one percent of the one percent and you go okay well you know someone like michael michael phelps has flippers right he has huge arms and feet and that's a massive competitive advantage imagine if he underwent 12 months of hormone therapy and then decided to compete against women i do not believe that that would be a fair fight for cis women to then be versing someone like that now i I'm hopeful that, and I've, I've read some stuff from Leah Thomas saying that the reason that she transitioned was because she wanted to do it for herself and it wasn't for the sport. And I absolutely implore her. And if she wants to do that, power to her. Absolutely. I'm, I'm hopeful that um, she believes, you know, she's happier now having done that. However, when it comes to someone like her or any other trans woman competing in sport against cis women, that's where I draw the line. I would love for us to be able to create the trans Olympics. I talk about this with uh, friends and family all the time because I am super passionate on this topic. And it's just like another, you know, minority group. We have the Paralympics for people who, you know, are another minority group who have certain intellectual, physical disabilities, why not, instead of getting trans women to compete against cis women, put them in their own category and get them to compete against themselves? Because I do see so many benefits from people competing in sport regardless of gender or sex. And I think it's really important that we continue to encourage socially um, everyone to be exercising and moving and competing if that's what they choose to do as well. Um, I do find that it's just from a biomechanics, from an anatomical standpoint, it's not fair. And it's more than just, oh, okay, well, one cis woman versus another cis woman. Trans women who are competing at that elite level are just such a, on like a higher playing field that they can waltz in and basically, you know, knock people off podium spots in the first couple of years of them competing. They learn the skills, even if they've never done it before, because they have these structural differences that will never change and therefore give them massive advantages. Another example of this is Laurel Hubbard, who's a New Zealand trans female weightlifter. Now, I actually had a look at this and she competed uh, when she was a male. Uh, and in the junior weightlifting and has actually got some records in this back in 1998. So competing as a weightlifter on and off for the last 20-ish years um, has actually competed and 
got awards when she was a male prior to transitioning and now comes in to the weightlifting scope as a trans woman, knocks, it was like an 18 or 19-year-old girl who'd be working her fucking ass off out of a spot at the Olympics, I believe, and basically goes to the Olympics and then people people who may know the story may remember that um, she choked. So she actually didn't do very well and people go, see, trans women aren't better than women. But that's one example. You know, there's so much going on. There was probably a lot of pressure because she was the first trans woman at the Olympics. And so it's not just, obviously, as we know, sport is not just about the anatomy and the biomechanics. However, it plays a huge part and it makes sport unfair for cis women to compete against trans women. Um, I hope you have enjoyed today's conversation and I would love to hear your feedback on this because I am so passionate about the fact that we want to A, find a place for, for trans women in sport and also trans men, right? Like why aren't trans men winning? Because they used to be women and they've transitioned to being men and we know that cis men are stronger. If I was to transition and then have 12 months of hormone replacement therapy and then, you know, the sports that I compete in, say volleyball, I'm still only six foot. As a volleyballer, you know, you've got these people who are six foot eight, whatever. Even if I was a behemoth and I was six foot 10 as a female, my ability to compete at the same level as a cis male is so impeded by the last 30 years of my life being female and having female hormones running through my body and having a female anatomy and physiology structure. So back to what I was saying, I absolutely want to find a place for trans athletes to compete. I would love that to be a trans Olympics or, you know, trans events. However, when it comes to competing against cis people, particularly trans women and cis women, because we're not seeing it in the male atmosphere for obvious reasons, cis men are stronger than I really think that this needs to be something that's talked about more and it actually really fucking breaks my heart that people like the International Olympic Committee are allowing cis women to still compete against trans women knowing that there are biological competitive advantages. Would love to hear your thoughts. Please send me a message, um, Swift Coaches Academy on Instagram and I would love to talk about this more with you if you've liked this episode or you found value in it, or maybe you're trying to have this conversation with someone and you're not sure how to have it, or you aren't someone who has the anatomy and biomechanics knowledge like I do, please share it with them. Um, I would love to spread the word and make sure that we as cis women and people who are vouching for cis women are getting our voices heard so that we can find a better standard for sport so that we can compete in a fair playing field. Thanks. Did you find something valuable in this episode? If so, I'd like to ask a tiny favor. If you have 30 seconds now, I'd love you to follow or share the podcast. That way we can continue to bring you more real, raw, and uncensored stories from industry leaders. We also love hearing from you and what you loved about every episode. The best way to reach out is to DM me personally on Instagram at Swift Coaches Academy. Until next time, and in whatever you do, move swiftly. 
Before you go, don't forget those two anatomy masterclasses are coming up. The first one's on the 15th of June, the anatomy of the shoulder. Second one is the 5th of July, anatomy of the hip. I cannot wait to see you there. Link in the show notes for all of the information for you to register and I will see you there.